members in our fellowship, but uh, um, the Lord has been very good to me and uh, spent some time relaxing in the hospital. Uh, you've been praying for me after the loss of my father two weeks ago, and I truly treasure your prayers. They have uh, uh, blessed me my family quite a bit, and uh, thank you. I just say thank you to start. Um, love the singing this morning. That was great to hear over the speakers and and enjoy the Christmas music. I, I can't wait to get back in the room with you again. Um, it's coming, and by next Sunday, we should be able to do it. And Steve was correct. There is no uh, service tonight, and we're not going to attempt to Zoom and all the other things this evening. Um, and there is also no service next Sunday night. So the next two Sunday nights have been taken off the calendar. Uh, we will have our normal service next Sunday morning. Um, the big change that we were bringing up to you is the Christmas Eve service. And the Christmas it was Christmas Eve Eve because we actually were going to do it on a Wednesday instead of on Thursday, the actual Christmas Eve. Um, but because of all that's going on, and again, a very complicated uh, process here, um, we have altered that. And uh, what I'm going to have for you, and Steve was out there looking for it on the website. It's not there yet. Um, it will be on Tuesday. All right, I have a Christmas Eve program for you that you can listen to uh, on our website. There will be a easy instructions to click on there and find it right away. You can listen to it at your convenience. But here's my recommendation. Gather people around in, in a room. Um, set yourself up with the um, Internet. The It's all on the Internet on our, our page. And um, get some hot chocolate, get some cookies, uh, um, gather around, enjoy uh, a Christmas Eve service. It's a lot of fun to have put it together. It, it did take quite a little while to construct it. It was, it was complicated for me in a way, but uh, I thought it was a lot of fun to do, and I hope that you will find it to be a blessing. Uh, that's what my true heart desire is that you will hear it and you you will feel uh, the joy, uh, the uh, wonder, the beauty, and yet the truth of our Christmas message. Um, so that's my encouragement for you. I'm going to get it up on Tuesday. So it should be available Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whenever it's a convenient time for you that you can gather together and enjoy that. Or maybe even by yourself or a couple of times, maybe it's a little bit of over an hour, just a pinch, and uh, I, I really did have a lot of fun doing that. So I hope you enjoy it. Again, thank you for your prayers for me, and um, thank you for uh, your faithful prayers for so many in our church right now that have uh, the virus are dealing with the results of that. Uh, we thank the Lord. Nothing has been exceedingly serious. Um, the medications work well. They make you a little hyper at times. Uh, I feel that. <laughs> Even right now, boy, I'm on steroids and I'm going to preach. Uh, you just don't know what's about to happen here. Um, but uh, we we uh, thank the Lord for the way he cares for us. 
And I especially thank help uh, for the help of Evan this morning. Um, we we just have him going in every direction trying to get this to work, and he does an excellent job. Thank you so much, Evan. And Steve for filling in. We've we got to have one elder there somewhere. Um, and so maybe it's designated Elder Day for Steve to be in charge of everything. But uh, that's that's just the nature of it. It's kind of a strange holiday this year, isn't it? Um, but we're very glad to be able to meet. So let's spend some time in God's Word. Uh, please join me, Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians, chapter five, verse eleven through twenty-one. That's uh, halfway through the chapter and all the way to the end. All right, Second Corinthians five, eleven through twenty-one. Now, often when we uh, find our text about the Christmas message. We go to one of the gospel writers, um, particularly Matthew or or Luke. We we tend to lean toward Luke quite a bit. If you want the shepherds and you want Mary's story and all that, you go to Luke. If you want the three kings, uh, you'll go to the book of Matthew. Um, we find them very familiar stories with angels and shepherds, um, kings, Mary, Joseph, uh, Bethlehem, um, we find some who are eager to hear and see the good news. Uh, we find others who reject the opportunity to go and see the baby. We think especially of uh, King Herod uh, and all those scribes who accurately told him Jesus was to be born in Bethlehem. And it was only six miles away, folks. And they didn't even go and see the child. Today we're, we're going outside the gospel record, obviously, for 2 Corinthians 5, to a passage that some would call evangelistic. Um, yes, it is that, in a way. Um, but, but greater than an evangelical text would be the evangelical congregation who takes that text to the world that needs to hear it. The Word is great. You know I love God's Word. It's wonderful. But the reality is, how can they hear without a preacher? Somebody has to open their mouth. Somebody has to speak the truth. When, when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, this is the second time here in this uh, um, epistle, the second Corinthians, it was not a happy letter. Really, it wasn't. Uh, he had chastised them quite a bit in First Corinthians. Um, and now he's addressing several of their shortcomings. Among them, their lack of planning and, and preparing for his visit. But of all these things, with a rebuke from the first letter still fresh in their ears, they chose not to correct all their shortcomings, but to question the messenger. Paul himself, I guess, if you disqualify the messenger, you don't need to hear the message, right? Well, Paul had to deal with that, too, in this book. So understand the background for a minute. Paul is talking about uh, the time where he has to explain ministry to the Christian ch Corinthian church. Some even say he was defending his ministry. Um, so I suppose if you read this letter with, with somewhat of an, maybe an angry or a stern disposition, you might be close to the tone in which Paul addressed their misunderstandings. Now, you're saying, well, why did you pick that for a Christmas morning message? <laughs> well, one thing for sure. 
they didn't seem to realize that the gospel message was not solely for them to enjoy, but its nature brought to them an incredible duty to be among those who speak the gospel to a world that needs to hear it. Folks, here it is. We live in a world that is doing everything it can to get away from the truth. And we know the truth. And that's what this season brings before us, is that we know the truth. And this world needs to hear it, desperately needs to hear it. So follow along. You have your Bibles open by now, I'm sure. Second uh, Corinthians 5, 11 through 21. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. But we were made manifest to God, and we hope that we are made manifest also in your conscience. We are not again commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us, so that you have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are of sound mind... It is for you, for the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old thing passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation, namely... That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Okay, can you see the heart of this passage? God sent his son, it says. His son died on our behalf, so that we can be reconciled to God, so that we can go and tell others so they can too. That's it. That's the message that we have. The, the Christmas news is good news for all the people. That's what the angel said. And after all, there's a lot of people out there who haven't heard. And our job's not done yet. What does what does this number mean to you? 385,000. Now you may say, well, I see numbers close to that on, on the COVID count all the time on the news. Um, that's a lot of people. 385,000 thousand people. What is that number? That is actually the number of new births every single day in this world. 385,000 new lives on this planet every single day. Now, if you have spoken to one person about the gospel in the last week, in the last month, in the last year, if you've talked to one person 
I'm afraid you're getting rather far behind if you're trying to keep up with the number of 385,000 a day. D.L. Moody had an ambition to speak to at least one person every day about Christ. And he found at the end of the day that if he didn't, he would go back out and he would find the first person he'd see and talk to him about Christ. I intentionally uh, tried to take advantage of this while I was in the hospital. I felt pretty good while I was laying there. And all those uh, staff members and nurses and the, uh, the nurses' aides that would come into the room, they all had their masks on and their shields on and they look kind of like astronauts at times and one of them actually had a, a, a tube coming out and an air pack on their back and their whole head was uh, inside of a, it looked like a sailor's deep diver uh, outfit. But uh, as I'm watching these people, I realized they were trapped in that room just as much as I was. As long as they had to do what they had to do, they, they, they would call to have somebody else bring them things so they couldn't leave the room until they were done. And so I thought, well, guess what? I've got a minute here or so. So uh, it was not uncommon. I'd try to weave that conversation around to talking about the Lord, talking about their their families. There was some young lady there that was working, in, and I realized that she was probably a lot like a lot of people in this world um, with a family that's all kind of messed up and hard work and, and all the other things going on in her life. And I just simply asked her one day if she was going to take her kids to Sunday school. And she said, you know, they, she hadn't been to church for nine years. Nine years. And I thought, wow. So I told her to come up to Hillsdale. We're treat her very nice and we love our children. Um, but we take opportunities. And, and I wonder if you do. I wonder if we do. Take the opportunity to say something to a cashier to, I know they're not supposed to talk a whole lot, but they want to be friendly. Wish them a Merry Christmas. Uh, uh, talk to them, you know, say a word about the Lord. Plant a seed. The question is this. Are we evangelists or not? Some people will say, you know, we're not really all called to be evangelists. That was a gift. Yes, it was. But the reality is we are all called to evangelize. It doesn't matter if you're a plumber, you're a carpenter, a banker, a teacher, a lawyer, a farmer, an accountant. You start the list, whatever you call yourself. The fact is you are a Christian. And because Christ has saved you, he's given to you the ministry of reconciliation. That's what the text says. Now, you may say, well, what is that ministry you're talking about? What do you call the ministry of reconciliation. Well, Paul defined it. Go back to your text and look at it. Verse number 19 of chapter 5, there in 2 Corinthians. Namely, he's going to say it. This is it. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Right? Start right there and look at this again. Who's doing what? God is doing this. He's doing it in Christ. He's reconciling the world to himself. He's not counting their trespasses against them. It's not our call. We didn't design this. This is not our plan. This is not our strength. This is not our word. This is not our death that we died. And matter of fact, we can't even condemn the world for that matter. Uh, God was not counting their trespasses against them. And he's in charge of that department too. 
But jump down to verse 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Now, what did we do there? Well, we're accountable for the sin, but everything else God did. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, you did not make yourself righteous. Neither did I. But the Lord did that because he gave his His life for us. He took our sin so that we would have the righteousness of God in him. Those are blessed words. Jump down to verse number 20, because there it says, he committed to us the word of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now that word beg is a pretty strong word. Ambassadors are supposed to have some sort of dignity, right? When they come into the presence of other people, they're usually up among all the sophisticated, higher-ranking, you know, um, political figures, leaders of countries. We send ambassadors out, and we expect them to have a sense of dignity, represent us well. But Paul here is painting a rather powerful picture. Because the idea of begging is to be all tied up, is is bound, and it's a kind of a strange thing, but it's it's a very passionate way of saying, I can't get out of this. I must do this. It's because of my relation with relationship with Christ. I must plead. I must beg. I must beseech you. And this is Paul's heartbeat right here in the middle of the words. And you know what? Things have so diminished since that time. We ought to really go forth with joy, right? We, we have every reason to be joyful. We, we ought to be the quickest to point to sharing Christ. We, we should be very, uh, well, all this should be the first thing and the foremost thing because our hearts know it well. Why do we need to be begged to do this? Have we become indifferent? I hate that word, but it's a it's a powerful word. Have we become too much like the rest of the world? It's not easy to look in the mirror and ask that question. Have we become fearful? I think there's a, a sense of fear building in our society almost day by day. Christians are starting to wonder how do we how do we live how do we get on here um, have we become fearful afraid to say a word because somebody might identify us as a believer in Christ have we qualified this ministry to those who are technically evangelists uh, by God's calling it's easier to say well that's what they're here for let me talk about an evangelist for a few minutes. He had a brother who was an evangelist, too. Their last names were Wesley. John was the brother and the principal evangelist in the Wesleyan Methodist tradition. Um, Charles was a Calvinist, uh, very much an evangelist, just like his brother. Do you know that uh, Charles Wesley published 4,000 hymns? Boy, that'd fill a hymn book. He left manuscripts for 2,000 more after his death. And that was not from a man who was idle 
in his day just writing poetry. Uh, Charles was well known for um, his evangelistic uh, preaching. He was known to be more theologically sound than his brother John. And the words of his song were so deep theologically in nature. You sang one already this morning. The words, actually, the title of the song originally originally was written by Wesley. Hark how all the Welkin sing. Isn't that a great word? Welkin. W-E-L-K-I-N. We say, well, what is that? that? That's the sky. All right, that's the sky. He says, how the sky rings. All right, they use the word Welkin. Um, of course, we don't sing those words anymore, do we? It was George Whitfield, the other evangelist, that stepped in and changed the words to hark the herald angels sing. Um, but go back with me to 1739 in England. Believe it or not, there was a ban. There was a ban declared by Parliament against the celebration of Christmas. It was a predominantly Puritan Parliament and they thought that the holiday was simply a worldly festival. <laughs> if they could only see what we've done to it. Um, they're probably justified a little bit. But interesting enough that there was a ban. You, you don't celebrate Christmas. And Wesley, as I read his, his works, he wrote against that ban. The ban covered the proclamation as well of the Christmas message. Um, and Wesley wanted the message to go forth in all its power, in all its glory. And so he wrote, and he wrote, and he wrote. The actual song that uh, we sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, had ten verses to it. Each stanza, stanza was packed with uh, as much theology as the world could, uh, as the words could allow. The Hark How All the Welkin I'm going to read this to you. It was called a hymn for Christmas Day. Um, it was also under the caption, Son of Righteousness, written about uh, 1739 in England. And uh, here's the words. It was published later by John and Wesley, uh, Charles Wesley, in a hymn book they called Hymns and Sacred Poems. So this is how it began. Hark how all the welkin rings. Glory to the King of Kings. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful, all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. Universal nature say, Christ the Lord is born today. Christ by highest heaven adored. Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come. Offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with man to appear, Jesus, our Emmanuel, here. Hail the heavenly Prince of Peace, hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings, mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of the earth, born to give them second birth. Come, desire of nations, come, fix in us thy humble home. Rise the woman's conquering seed, bruise in us the serpent's head. 
Now display thy saving power, ruined in nature. Now restore, now in mystic union join, thine to ours, and ours to thine. Adam's likeless likeness, Lord, efface, stamp thine image in its place. Second Adam from above, reinstate us with thy love. Let us thee, though lost, regain, thee, the life, the heavenly man, Oh, to all thyself in part, formed in every believing heart. Now, that's a mouthful of words, isn't it? Uh, but very deep, lots of heavy thoughts here, theological thoughts, beautiful thoughts as well. But can you, can you hear his appeal all the way through that? As if he were begging. Be reconciled to God. Our Savior has come. Our Savior has died. Our Savior has risen again. And what a change he has made in our heart. Gone is the old image. Now now there's a new image. Ruined in nature has been restored, united with Christ. And we have the life that he has imparted to us, formed in every believing heart. Folks, there's a lot here to contemplate. And it deserves the time. Theology was not meant just for a scholar somewhere. Theology is a study of God. And all of us can do it. Each and every one of us ought to be a student of God. Gleaning and growing each and every day. Learning and applying and becoming more and more what we're designed to be. But it's not quite done until we get it out of our heart and onto our tongue. Like those angels, we need to become heralds of the good news. Now, that's what my appeal is to you this morning. It's it's great to know this. It's it's so beautiful to know the message of this season, the truth of what God has done and what he has given to us is a ministry. A ministry in conveying that message to a world that needs to hear it. You'll find it very interesting, I think, that Wesley never put this song to music. He never heard it sung. There was a composer in that day by the last name of Cummings, and he took Wesley's words here on one hand, and he condensed it a bit down to about four verses, and I think we sing three now in our hymn book. And then he said, well, I'm going to put it on a tune, and he found the tune from Felix Mendelssohn. Now, Mendelssohn had happened to have written a song uh, that was celebrating the achievements of Gutenberg's movable type printer, the press. It's kind of interesting. It was 300 years since the, the Gutenberg invention, and they were celebrating the art of printing, and Felix Mendelssohn wrote a tune to honor the printing press. And it's the tune to heart the herald angels sing. He had no idea that that tune would be used for any other purpose. And he even stated on several occasions that that tune will never do with sacred words. (laughs) I think that's kind of funny. Let me take that idea for a minute. Just that thought. What I've been discussing with you this morning, the very fact that we have a duty that ought to be pulling our hearts out right now. We have been gloriously saved. Isn't that right? 
And we have a glorious Savior. Isn't that right? We ought to want to tell that to somebody. But far too often we look at ourselves and we conclude this. I'm not that type to put sacred words to. Call somebody else, somebody with a golden tongue. You use a man or a woman who are good with words, who who have the passion of a dying man, who have a tear in their eye or a burden on their heart where they, they must share Christ or like the Old Testament saint once said, give me children or I die. Now, we believe that uh, this is how the gospel should go forth. Not in that everyday living thing. Not not in the celebration of a printing press, of all things. Not in the workplace. Not in the conversation of the people about town. Not in discussing the news of the day. Never speaking about the one who made that day. Too often we say, I, I'm not the type you put sacred words to. May I say this? Take that up with the one who made you. The one who saved you. The one who has given to you the ministry of reconciliation. It was no mistake on his part to say this is our job. This is what we're called to do. The song needs to be declared. Do we let it go unsung for fear that we're out of tune? Must the words go unsaid because we think we do not know them? I'm going to recommend something to you, and I'm very serious, so listen here carefully. You say, I don't know what to say. Learn what to say. Learn it. Enough of the excuse that we don't know what to say. We have God's word. You you see it. I just defined it for you. What is the gospel? God sent his son. His son died for us so that we can be made new in him, forgiven of our sins, brought into a relationship. I mean, there's so much to glean in the scriptures. And more times than not, we say, I, I just don't know what to say. I don't think we have, as believers, we have that excuse. We, we can't do that. That's, safe. That's my recommendation number one. If you say, well, I'm not the kind you put sacred words to. God has done that. He has given to you the words. Second thing to do, say them. Say them. Learn them. Say them. Say them. They're not your words, I know. They are God's word. And God's word has power, not ours. Just as he has said, he didn't call you to make this up. He didn't call you to fix it up. He didn't. He just called you to say it. Like it or not, he has attached sacred words to you. And you are meant to be heard. You carry the sacred words within you. You're an ambassador of it. Don't be like the Corinthians. The things... Where people like, well, that's only for gifted evangelists. Uh, that's not for me. I'm going to read this passage to you again. Listen now very carefully. Because I don't know what the future holds. You don't know either. I'm not looking at it in a fearful way. But someday there might be a ban on the Christmas message. There just could be. 
And Second Corinthians 5, go back to it again with me and read it. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest to God, and I hope that we are made manifest also in your conscience. We are not again commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us, so that we will have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. I love that phrase. It controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all. So that they who live might no longer live for themselves. Now, think that through. Those who live, and you do, because of Christ, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we've even known Christ according to the flesh. Yet, now we know him no, in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. The new things have come. Now, all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, there it is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, and you know this is what it comes down to, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things here. Contemplate very seriously what these words are saying to us today. What God has done for you, I know it brings you great joy. <laughs> it brings me great joy. What is life without Christ? To have our sins forgiven, to have a relationship with him, to just to just bask in all that he has done for us. Stop and think about it. Again, what is the purpose of why we meet? Why do we have a church? Why do we have a holiday that we celebrate? Bask in it, the beauty, the depth of the theology, of the actions, and of the mercy and love of our God. There is so much to glean, so much to glean. And then I want you to learn the words. Learn them. Be able to communicate. All right? Work on it. This is not a small task we're given. We, we are God's mouthpieces in this world. So work on that. And as you learn it, speak it. Talk to somebody. Open your mouth. Plant a seed. Aim for one seed a day, if you can. I mean, opportunity, I don't know however you can word this, but 
Say one thing that would be a blessing to somebody. Say one thing about Christ. Say one thing about what God has done. Say one thing about how happy you are that God has done this. I see my, my cat has joined the scene. She's curious about this too, maybe. But uh, the the call that we have, we make so complicated. We always try to find some other reason why we shouldn't. And I want you to evaluate your 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 mentality and all this. You've heard the words this morning. I've heard the words this morning. And it strikes me in the heart, too. And uh, we need to get this word out. That's essential for us. I leave that with you this morning. Uh, go back over Second Corinthians uh, another time, please. Uh, look at these words. Feel the passion of it. And uh, ask the Lord, what are you to do? What would you have me to do? Uh, may the Lord bless you. May you have a great Christmas week. I know so many of you are not feeling well. We're praying for you. We really, really are. Um, and we're going to uh, um, see you real soon. Enjoy the Christmas Eve program, okay? Um, that is that is a great Great, fun thing. I hope you enjoy it. All right, I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then I'm going to let uh, Evan move the screen to what we need to do. Heavenly Father, what an important thing it is for us that we should not only know you, what a joy that is, but that we have the opportunity to share you with the world around us. Use us, Lord. Use us as your children, as those who love you and love the things that you've done for us. May that love just burst from our hearts. And may we eagerly, eagerly seek somebody to share this truth with. We pray. I pray you bless our fellowship. We, You know that we have so many who are ill. We have some who are hurting. We have some who have lost members of their families in the last week or so. Not just me, but others as well. And and for all that, Lord, we come to you and say thank you for being our strength and our help day by day. For your presence with us, as you promised, as you encourage us day by day. We just trust you and long to be together again. Uh, until then, thank you for being so faithful to us. We praise your name, in Jesus' name, amen.